U.S. inflation cooled in June. Central bankers in Europe are hawkish. And just how high will interest rates go or not go? This is The Markets. I'm John Dietrich, filling in for Sam Grobart. Today, I'm joined by Gurpreet Gill, macro strategist in the fixed income team of Goldman Sachs Asset Management. We're going to talk about how U.S. inflation stacks up against other big economies and what that means for financial markets. Gurpreet, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Let's start off with the U.S. inflation number for June. It came in at 3%, lower than expected. Core CPI had its smallest increase since February 2021. What's your take on that news? So overall, I'd say that the June U.S. inflation data was a much welcomed positive development for investors and policymakers. And that 3% annual headline inflation you mentioned, that's the slowest rise since March 2021. And it's down from a peak of almost 9% last June. And that optically is helpful for anchoring inflation expectations. Core inflation, which excludes food and energy, also moderated housing-related categories that account for around a third of the average US consumer spending each month. Those categories slowed further. We also saw used car prices pull back. Now, used car prices account for less than 3% of the US CPI basket, but I can't overstate just how volatile prices have been in recent years. And most importantly of all, core services inflation, excluding housing, was unchanged on the month. And those domestically generated prices are the ones that Fed policy seeks to influence. And so the latest reading is going to offer policymakers some assurance that policy is working. Great. Well, you went into what I wanted to ask next, which is, what do you think this means for the Federal Reserve? Where do they go from here? Yeah, so 25 basis points rate hike this month still seems likely. Inflation is still above 2%, and Fed officials need to see evidence of a sustained downtrend in inflation. But the outlook for beyond July has turned a bit more uncertain. We previously thought that we could see another rate hike, but it's plausible that this month could mark the peak in the Fed's hiking cycle. And much will depend on how inflation and labor markets evolve from here. But big picture, the Fed is entering its final phase of policy tightening. Great. Let's talk about the markets now. Does the market think the worst is behind the U.S. when it comes to inflation? Well, we saw equities gain ground yesterday, credit spreads tightened, and U.S. Treasury yields moderated. And so there is building optimism over disinflation progress. But I'd flag two things. The first is that some Fed officials have cautioned that housing disinflation faces risks from structural undersupply of housing. And the second thing to keep in mind is that some services prices could still trend up from here, particularly things where contracts reset annually. And so they've yet to reflect the high inflation we've seen over the past year. Now let's look across the Atlantic. Is inflation coming down in the UK and the rest of Europe the way it appears to be in the US? When in the case of the UK, we'd say that progress on disinflation has been disappointing. Annual core inflation is more than 7% and it's been moving in the wrong direction since February. That contrasts with core inflation of 4.8% in the US. And the challenge for the Bank of England is that part of the strength is structural. Wage growth, which is a key driver of services prices, is also around 7%. That's more than double the 3% pace that's consistent with 2% inflation. And getting that down requires better balance between labor supply and labor demand. 
And that's proving tricky because we've got reduced migrant labour post-Brexit. We've seen an increase in long-term sickness linked to COVID. And we have an ageing population. I'd say the story in the euro area is more similar to the US, but with a lag of several months. So headline inflation has peaked and continues to climb down as energy prices ease. And although core inflation is still elevated at 5.4%, it's starting to show signs of normalizing. And so we don't expect a return to the low inflation regime of the last cycle, but the euro area is slowly but surely making progress on disinflation as the economy responds to tighter policy. And what does that mean for policy at the likes of the European Central Bank and the Bank of England going forward? So the persistence of inflation in the UK actually led the Bank of England to ramp up tightening in June. So the central bank raised rates by 0.5% and expectations for the terminal or peak rate in the UK have increased sharply this year. So entering the year, the market was pricing a terminal rate of 4.75%. Today, the market is pricing a peak rate above 6%. Now, we think the Bank of England will stay on this hiking path until it reaches a policy rate of 5.5%. But we do acknowledge risks are skewed to the upside. There'll be a lot of focus on next week's CPI data. And then in the case of the ECB, Policymakers have been championing a resolutely hawkish tone this summer to avoid the experience of an entrenched inflation that we've seen in the UK. And so we expect another 25 basis points rate hike this month. And we think that we'll see more tightening in September and October for a terminal rate of 4%. And that's broadly in line with where the market's currently pricing. Let's take a step back and look at the big picture. What does all of this mean for the big economies we've been talking about? Are we looking at a, a rocky landing, a soft landing, no landing? I think it's important to keep in mind that we need a great deal of humility when making judgments on the economic outlook. But that being said, we titled our third quarter fixed income outlook, risks and resilience, because we think it's important to acknowledge both. And so some sources of resilience include healthy labor markets, strong private sector balance sheets. We have an ongoing recovery in the services sector. And we've even seen a stabilization in some housing markets before policy rates have peaked. But in terms of the risks, we're mindful that excess savings are compressing. Households face higher debt servicing costs, particularly in the UK. And there are some areas of weakness in commercial real estate, particularly the office sector that we're alert to. And so all of this suggests that the resilience of the economy to future shocks might not be as robust as it has been to shocks of the past year. And so all that said, among the major economies, if I'm to use the terms that you mentioned, we think a soft landing is more likely than not in the US, is somewhat likely in the euro area, and least likely in the UK. And what are you watching next week? Let me pinpoint two macro and one policy area of focus. The first key item on the macro agenda is U.S. retail sales. Consumer spending has held up so far, but we're going to be looking at the impact of tighter credit condition and a smaller savings buffer. Also worth noting that from October, 17% of U.S. households will resume student loan repayment, which has been on pause since 2020. And so that could also be a headwind to future discretionary spending. 
The second macro area of focus is key economic data for China for the month of June, like industrial production, retail sales, and fixed asset investment. China's reopening has recently slowed, and so we're going to be looking for continued signs of a rebound in the services sector and any policy announcements. And then the final item on the agenda is the Bank of Japan meeting. So in our opinion, macro conditions in Japan are increasingly evolving in a way that warrant a departure from ultra-easy policy. Wages are rising at their fastest clip in decades. Inflation is broadening out. Even core measures are running above 2%. And so we do anticipate further shifts in the yield curve control policy, possibly even next week. And at some point over the coming year, we would expect the Bank of Japan to bid farewell to negative interest rates. Gurpreet, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for another episode of The Markets. Be sure to subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Dietrich. Thanks for listening. The opinions and views expressed in this program are not necessarily the opinions of Goldman Sachs or its affiliates. This program should not be copied or published without the express written consent of Goldman Sachs. Each brand mentioned in this program is the property of the company to which it relates and is not used to imply any ownership or license rights. Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, investment, accounting, or tax advice through this program. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information contained in this program. Our theme music was composed by Soundboard.